0: This morning we give you thanks that you bring us through the storms of life god we're thankful that you walk through walk with us through even the valley of the shadow of death god you are there with us you bring comfort to us in the middle of affliction you bring joy to us when our hearts are are not glad father you are there with us and you walk beside of us and your presence is precious to us father i pray that you would be god over this service today would be god over the 11 o'clock service today god you would be god over this church and these people father i pray that when we leave here today after the service is over that it wouldn't be like we've just done our done our god stuff for the week and then we go on with our stuff but lord you would permeate every part of our lives god that we would truly live to worship you and our worship would not just be a service or a song on sunday morning or when we come together for discipleship on Wednesday night but instead God everything we do we would see as an act of worship to you help our attitudes to be right help our hearts to be right God help our witness to be right father let us never do anything that would damage the name of Jesus Christ but we pray that our lives would be an arrow pointing to heaven and everything we do would glorify your name Lord, we love you. We do thank you that you are present here. We thank you that you called us here this morning and drew us together. And, Father, I pray that you would speak. If you don't say anything today, God, nothing of any worth is going to be said here. So we pray that you would speak to your people. Father, we love you and praise you for Jesus. We praise you for everything that he's done for us, but especially the cross. It's at the cross where all things meet, and it's at the cross where we truly find our redemption. Help us to live in that. Help us to walk in that. Help us to dwell in that. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray all these things. And Rushwood said together, Amen. You may be seated today. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate uh that you guys didn't show up last week because we weren't here. I said we probably could have had service um after all because they kept saying that the worst was going to hit. Friday night and then the worst was going to hit Saturday morning and then the worst was going to hit Saturday night and then the worst was going to hit Sunday morning and I think the worst around here actually probably hit Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening. We did have some flooding in this area but God uh, protected our church facilities and we are so thankful for that because we are, in fact on the news, one of the news stations had a thing they ran that said flood prone areas in Randolph County and it listed old farm road which really it's old farmer road but old farm road near rushwood church and so anyway we're just glad that that didn't come to fruition that god protected us do be in prayer of course for those who are around us and those that are down east that are still in recovery uh, from the storm and lots of good things are going on our church is participating and trying to help those folks out we had so many announcements and jason i'm a little jealous That he got to make so many announcements so I guess I need to hit a couple more this morning and I'm sorry for that but when we missed a week and with everything going on uh, we need to make sure that we make some things clear to everybody Um, one of the things is if you got a bulletin this morning you probably need to hold on to this because it is about to become a collector's item I don't know if you go on eBay in a few years you might be able to get rich off of this I'm not sure but this is, is going to become a collector's item because it is going to be the last Rushwood bulletin for the foreseeable future. As we've looked at our budgeting and things, one of the things we found is that handing out bulletins costs us around $1,300 a year. You wouldn't think these things would cost that much. It costs us around $1,300 a year, and we, we basically have information everywhere. I don't know if you've noticed, but we run uh, scroll announcements before service starts on Sunday morning and so we have our announcements there any big announcements that are within a couple of weeks we reiterate on sunday morning Uh, for our seniors and our senior adult sunday school classes we we run those on the television screen to make sure they know what's going on we have tables set up at the back with sign up sheets and information so we basically are and that's just not even counting what's online we always have our, our information on our website and on our church facebook page And I'm probably missing some stuff, but we've got information everywhere. And so we figured that by this point, with information everywhere, our church does a fantastic job of communicating things. And uh, Katrina Floyd, who is our marketing director and our office manager, does a great job of that. Give her a round of applause uh, for all the work that she does. But we basically have information everywhere, so we thought, why spend $1,300 a year on handing out a piece of paper which is kind of redundant? And so we're not going to be redundant anymore. We're going to save some trees, and uh, we're, we're going uh, to not, not do these after today. We will be giving you through Christmas a half sheet. It'll be on bright green, rushwood-colored paper. And we're going to be giving you a half sheet with our big announcements through Christmas to kind of wean those of you who just love a bulletin and I said when I announced this in the members meeting, oh no, I'm coming up to join you, Elizabeth. We're doing away with bulletins. If you feel like that, if you feel like that, Fred Sanford reference, if you don't get that. But anyway, if you don't, if you really love bulletins and it's going to be hard for you, we are going to give you some help and kind of help you be weaned off of bulletins. We're going to give you a half sheet with information through Christmas. And so that should give you enough time to get your system down pat. We do try to do a simple church formula around here which means we try not to do so much that people get confused about what we're doing. And that's that's tough because it's tough to eliminate good things and good opportunities. But anyway, it will work. You will get used to it and we'll move forward and it'll just be a great thing going forward to use that money for God's kingdom elsewhere. Also, you should have gotten one of these. Jason mentioned this briefly, our Fall Family Fun Fest, um, which we're doing a little bit later than we have done it before. Kind of as a welcome back to the school year, as a welcome into fall, and just something to kind of celebrate. It's a good outreach thing, but it's also a good inreach thing for us, in that we get to hang out together and have some fun. So I do want to reiterate a couple of things. We will be eating together after service next week. And so we want you to stay for that. That's part of us building in things so we get to hang out together. Maybe you get to meet new people, uh, just feel part of the church family. So we want you to stay. If it's at all possible for you and your family, please stay, eat with us, join in all the festivities, sign up for the Cornhole Tournament. My son Aiden and I have already signed up, so we want to see who's playing for second. Go ahead and sign up and and, uh, and join us in that. But you'll notice next week, is going to be our service time. And that's probably the biggest change we have made lately as far as a decision at our church. We have decided that we're taking our two services and we're putting them back into one service. So starting next week, every week, our service, we will only have one Sunday morning service and it will be at 10.30 a.m. Real quickly, the reason for that is when this room was built, it was designed so that we would only have one service at this church. And I didn't design or build this room. My preference is multiple services, to be honest with you, because it gives multiple opportunities for people to attend. But we have the problem of, as you can see this morning, we get scattered out in here, and it's tough to get a good feeling of worship when we're so scattered out. And so when I was on sabbatical, I asked them to do around July 4th a combined service just to see how it felt, just to see how it worked. And I mean, I was going around, I was on sabbatical, but I was going around town and people would run into me and say, man, that service around July 4th was great. It was just awesome. And I thought, well, we're on to something here. So just for critical mass, just for energy and for worship's sake, we are going back to one service starting next week. That will be from 1030, and we'll try to get you. We'll obviously have you out of here by noon if we start at 1030. And so that'll help some of those things. If you have any questions, feel free to talk to me about why we made the decision. But I think it's going to be a blessing for our church. And who knows, we may fill that one service up and have to go to another service eventually. But right now, we feel like this is the best thing for our church, for our worship. We want you guys to feel engaged when we sing and worship. And by the way, let me say this. I hate the term preliminaries. A lot of churches use the term preliminaries to mean everything before the sermon. We never use the term preliminaries here because it's all worship. It's all important. And so when we're singing at the beginning of the service, that's important because it's setting you up for the prayer time and the prayer time setting you up for the sermon time and the sermon time is setting you up for the altar call portion of the service. All, everything works together. And so do your... Very best to be here on time. Do your very best to be part of the entire service so that God can work and minister to your heart in everything that goes on here. And uh, so let, let me just put that plug in. Starting at ten thirty, um, try to be here by ten thirty. Our senior adult Sunday school classes will be from nine fifteen to ten fifteen, so that should give them plenty of time to be in here by the time the service starts, and they can be part of everything that we're doing. And so I think this is going to be a positive change. But just remember, starting next week, service will be starting at 1030. And we're going to come in here, and we're going to blow the roof off the place worshiping God. Amen? Amen. And so it's going to be very cool. Um, And by the way, next Sunday, uh, the Lord's already given me kind of the sermon and where we're going. Next Sunday is going to be really good, especially if you know somebody who's struggling Next Sunday will be a great sermon to help somebody who is struggling. Help them understand that God is still there in the midst of whatever they're going on, whatever's going on with them. So next week, please invite somebody. We want you to come, but we want you to bring somebody. Take this piece of paper and give it to somebody. It could be the waitress at the restaurant. It could be your next door neighbor. It could be somebody at work. But uh, take that paper, give it to somebody, invite them to come and join us. We just want to have a great Sunday in the Lord next week all right we were going to do a three-part marriage sermon series but florence had other ideas so now it's going to be a two-part marriage sermon series and today is the second part of marriage that works Uh, the title of my sermon this morning is god's politically incorrect god to a marriage that works god's politically incorrect god to a marriage that works we're going to read in ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 through 23 This is God's Word. Hey, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read God's Word. We don't always do that, but this week I just feel like it'd be a good thing. Let's stand and let's honor God's Word as we read it. In fact, we'll read it together. We're going to read it right off the screen there together, okay? One, two, three, go. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. Paul writes, and I believe Paul writes here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what a Christian marriage should look like. By the way, you should probably know that this strain of thought is out there in some churches with some pastors in some circles. They say, I love what Jesus taught, but what Paul taught is not the same as what Jesus taught and so they're basically if we can use this term anti-Paul Christians or anti-Paul pastors or anti-Paul churches they believe and they like and I'm not sure they've even really studied what Jesus taught because Jesus gets hardcore on some things too but they really don't like Paul and they try to say you know that's where all the problem is is with Paul. And Paul didn't line up with Jesus. So let's get rid of Paul and just focus on Jesus. Here's the problem with that. Everything that Paul said, you can find. Everything that's in the epistles, everything that's in the letters of Paul, you can find in seed form in the gospel. All Paul did was take what Jesus had already said and expanded on it and sometimes went further with it, but it's all there. He is lining up perfectly with what Jesus said. And so the idea that Paul, we can just excise Paul out of the Bible and ignore him and have no part of him uh, is, is false because the Bible is God's word from beginning to end. It's all true. It's all relevant to us. It's all God's word. And so I just wanted to let you know, because you may run into that sooner or later, that some people say, just forget Paul and focus on Jesus. No, Paul expands on what Jesus has already said. But Paul has given us what a Christian marriage should look like. And y'all, some of the most brilliant ideas are very simple. Some of the most very, if you got a really complicated idea and you're trying to understand it and it just goes on and on forever, it's probably not a brilliant idea. It's probably not a genius idea because genius usually looks simple. You, genius is usually something that's profound, but it's simple and it's easy to follow. Let me give you some ideas that God has had that are brilliantly simple. Baptism. Baptism requires two things. It requires water and it requires a Christian it re- requires somebody who has decided to believe in Jesus Christ and decided to follow him you put the two together and you have a powerful symbol for new life a powerful testimony that God has done something within you something within your heart and so Jesus and God set that up for us you take water you take a Christian and you have this powerful symbol of baptism communion is very simple communion simply takes bread and wine or if you're in a Wesleyan Church bread and juice And it actually takes things that were very common in the meal of that day and it uses them to represent the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and to remind us for of everything that he did for us some of my favorite services are our communion services when we come to the Lord's table and we're reminded of what he does and I actually believe there's a grace in that I believe there's power for living when we take communion that we get at the table of the Lord very simple but very profound the Jewish law in the day of Jesus had 613 commandments, 613 commandments. It had 365 negative commandments for each day of the year, one for each day of the year that you had to keep. Don't do this. Don't do that. Stay away from that. Had 365 negative commandments. It had 248 positive commandments, one for each bone and major organ in the human body. Yes, I'm very serious about that. So you had, for each bone in your body, for each major organ in your body, you had a command of something you had to do. So negative commands, don't do that. Positive commands, do that. Very complicated. I mean, who in the world can keep 613 commandments perfectly? Nobody. That's why we needed Jesus. But when Jesus comes on the scene, they ask him, What's the greatest commandment, Jesus? You're so smart. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to trick him they come what, what what's the greatest commandment and jesus says i'll give you two he takes 613 he boils it down to two and he says love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and the second one's like it love your neighbor as yourself he takes every commandment he says everything all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments love god and love your neighbor so when paul comes to marriage there are tons of rules that paul could have given us for christian marriage so tons of things he could have told us to do that will help our marriage but really really when you look at this section of scripture paul boils it down to two two commandments for marriage that if you do these you will not always have an easy marriage we talked about that two weeks ago how marriage can be tough but it's worth working through and it's worth preserving but you you have basically a good marriage a marriage that will last if you can keep these two simple rules these two simple commandments The first one, the two rules that Paul gives us. First one is wife, let him lead. And when we say him, we're not talking about God there. We're actually talking about your husband. And I know this, we'll get into this. It flies in the face of everything that we're taught now, the whole feminist movement and all that garbage that's been out there. for. Well, the feminist movement was good at first, but then it got way off track. But anyway, we won't get into all that. Wife, let him lead. Let your husband lead. That's rule number one. Flies in the face of our culture but still true nonetheless. Number two, husband, lead like Jesus. Two rules. Wife, let him lead. Husband, lead like Jesus. If those two things are kept, you will have a good and you will have a strong and you will have a lasting marriage. Just those simple two things. Everything else will work out if those two things are in place. Wife, let him lead. Husband, lead like Jesus. Can you imagine, though, if the Apostle Paul appeared on The View with those sort of uh, ideas about the way things should work? Just say he appears on daytime TV with those women that are on The View. And he says, yeah, here's my two rules. Wife, let him lead, and husband, lead like Jesus. Those are my two rules. Don't you think it would just blow up? Don't you think it would just be crazy if he went on there? I mean, I imagine Whoopi Goldberg would have a conniption fit. I don't think she could stand it. i think she would lose her mind i I can't believe you said that i believe she would just just about implode and i believe joy behar's head would actually burst into flames by the way whoever named that woman joy i don't know man they had some hope sometimes hope's fulfilled and sometimes it's not but anyway i believe she literally would burst into flames and then whatever token conservative christian woman they had on there that week i'm sure she would spend most of her time explaining how she didn't really believe that part of the Bible or how we, we've misread Paul or something like that so that people don't feel bad about that part. I believe it would get ugly. I believe Paul would probably get kicked off of YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. They would at least shadow ban him, but they might completely ban him from those platforms after he said something as crazy as, wife, let your husband lead, and husband lead like Jesus. I mean, heads would just explode all over. So our temptation, my temptation as a preacher of the gospel is to do everything in our culture today that I can to water down this portion of the scripture so that modern ears aren't offended. I don't want to offend you. I don't want you to get mad and say, that man's too radical and go down to the church down the street that don't preach this way. I know I don't, we don't want that to happen. But my job is not to keep you from being offended. My job is to proclaim the word of God. That's my job. At the end of the day, that's why. At the end of the day, I don't work for you. I work for him. True story. True story. And my, my, my purpose is not to purposefully offend you. That's not what I'm trying to do here this morning. I'm just trying to rightly divide the word of truth. And what I see and what I believe Paul and God are trying to communicate here to us is wife let him lead, husband lead like Jesus. Those two rules. So ladies, uh, you know, we always say ladies first, and actually Paul goes with the ladies first, so let's start there. Let's talk about that rule first. Wife, let him lead. The dictionary defines the word submit as to accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another person. Let me read that one more time. To accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another person. If you just really like to submit, would you raise your hand? I'm not going to raise mine because I, I, I'm, I'm Gen X. We don't like to listen to other people. We don't like to be told what to do. Anybody just love to submit, though? Though Anybody just love to, for somebody else to tell them what to do and then for them to, you know, you just follow whatever somebody says? Anybody like that? I don't. I'll be honest. I'll be transparent with you. My wife says, you are the most stubborn person God ever made sometimes. And, and, and she's not wrong on that. And I think we're all a little bit like that we hate that word submit submit literally means to come under to come under somebody's authority to come under somebody's will uh, and and we don't like that and i can hear some wives already and not not the ones that are in the room right now but maybe somebody watching online and they're going to say i ain't doing that if anybody's going to submit he's the one going to submit it's 2018 for crying out loud by the way do you ever notice when you, you ever notice that when we want to sin, we tell tell people what year it is? You ever notice that? Well, I'm, I'm not going to stay pure until I'm married. It's 2018, for goodness sakes. Nobody does that anymore. Anytime we want to sin, we call, we call the year a number and think that just makes it okay. But truth does not change based on the calendar year. Truth is eternal. If it's real truth, it is truth, that's eternal, it's for everybody, it's lasting, it's absolute. And it can be the year 30, 45, and it'll still be the truth. Amen. That should have been a louder amen, because that's good preaching right there. In our culture, we think that truth is subjective by the year. It's not. It's not. And some people say, you mean you really believe a 2,000-year-old book? Yes, I do. It's been changing people for 2,000 years and more, and it's done amazing things. Yes, I do. It's not, it's not false just because it's old. Okay, it's not false just because it's ancient. Some of the greatest wisdom is ancient wisdom, and the Bible is no exception. But somebody might say, it's 2018, I'm not submitting for goodness sakes. And ladies, I want you to understand this. Talking to the ladies right now in the room. Your husband may not be a born leader. I'm not sure I'm a born leader. I'm a person who usually will kind of sit back and wait things out. And, yeah, if I see everybody making a mess of things, then I'll jump in and try to fix it. But I'm not the one who jumps in and the first one to say, okay, here's the solution. Let's do that. I'm not sure I'm a born leader. I'm more of a a learned leader. Some people are born leaders. And, ladies, your husband may not be a born leader. And, ladies, guys, you might. Plug your ears up on this. I don't know if you want to hear this or not. Ladies, your husband may not be as smart as you are. You might be, it is entirely possible that you may be smarter than your husband. I know my wife is smarter than me on some things. My wife is amazing at discernment. She'll meet somebody and she'll say, That person is no good. And I always have this heart that says, oh, I want to think the best of them. And maybe if I work with them, they'll come along. And maybe if they just had the right opportunity. And in the end, my wife will be right. That person was no good. I've wasted all my time. I've poured into them. And she was right at the beginning. So I've learned you better listen to her when she analyzes somebody because usually she's right on that. Ladies, your husband may sometimes make some dumb decisions. Just true. He may make the wrong decision on on something. He may go the wrong way. He may have the wrong thought or the wrong belief. He may make a mess of things. Ladies, your husband might be dumb sometimes. None of that that I just said changes that God has made him, according to Ephesians 5, the head of you who is his wife. None of that changes it. You might be smarter than him, a better leader than him, a better discerner than him, everything. But it's still, according to God's word, he is the head. It doesn't even say the head of your his household. We use that phrase all the time because I think that sounds a little better. It actually says he is the head of his wife. And ladies, I'm going to make a bold statement here, but I believe it to be true based on the word of God. Your marriage will be better if you submit to your husband's leadership. Your marriage will be better. An ideal marriage has a wife submitting to a godly husband's leadership. Now, anytime we talk about submission, we got to back up for just a second. Boy, it got quiet on that point, real quiet. Everybody was laughing. Oh, it was fun until we got there. All right. Anytime we talk about submission, though, we have to back up a little bit and make one caveat. Always. As Christians, we submit to God above all of their other authorities. Romans 13 tells us we need to submit to the government, and we do, unless that government tells us to do something that directly contravenes the Word of God. And at that point, we have, uh, we have the right, like Daniel did when he was told he couldn't pray anymore, King, I submit to you, King, I follow your direction, but King, I'm not going to stop praying, because my God has commanded me to pray, and, and God is higher than you are, O King, so do what you have to to me, I'm not going to submit. Same thing in the New Testament. We find the apostles, when they're told not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ anymore, and the apostles say, look, we're going to keep preaching in Jesus' name because we should obey God rather than men. So submission is not absolute. That is one caveat that always must be made. If a husband asks his wife to do something contrary to the clear word of God, a godly wife must refuse to submit to her husband at that point preferring to honor God as her chief authority. That always has to be in the background on submission. So what would that look like? Well, it wouldn't look like this. It would not look like, honey, you know, I and this is the wife talking, honey, I, maybe I should do a woman's voice, honey. No, I'll just, just do a man's voice. Honey, I prayed about it, and God told me we should paint the living room purple like I want instead of beige like you want, so there, I don't have to submit to you. That is not what we're talking about. That is not. There is no clear thing in God's Word that says paint the living room purple if you want to. It doesn't say that. And by the way, my wife has never wanted to paint the living room purple. But anyway, in case you're thinking that. It's not like that. It's not like, oh, I feel like God is leading me to do this so I don't have to listen to you anymore, man. Be quiet and go over there and sit and get out of my face. It's not like that. But it would look like this. Again, the woman talking honey I know you told me I should lie on my resume to have a better chance of getting this job but that breaks the 10th commandment so I can't do it that would be a wife saying I submit to you I love you but God's authority is higher than your authority and I cannot break a clear law of God I cannot break something that God has commanded also by the way A godly husband, so so women, if if he's telling you to do something that God has told you not to do clearly in his word, then don't do it. Second thing I need to say is also a godly husband doesn't want to overrule his wife. He wants to come to a consensus with his wife. I know that when my wife and I make decisions, I don't want to say this is what we're doing and I don't care what you think, that's not a godly way to do things. We talk it out, we think it out, we try to come to a consensus together. Now, if we can't agree, and this hard, I don't know if this ever happens, but if we would come to a point where we just could not agree, then God has given me the deciding vote. Why? I don't know. God has decided that that's the way it should be. Because it will always be a one-to-one tie, and God has decided that the man should have the deciding vote. But with that deciding vote also comes the responsibility. If I mess up, guess who it's on? Me and not her. She told me that she didn't think it was wisdom, but I made the decision, so I have to live with the decisions that I made. But it's always better if we can come to a consensus and if we're pulling in the same direction. I grew up, by the way, with a great example of this principle in action. I was blessed, I tell you so many times, I'm blessed to have the parents that I had because my mom and dad talked together about things and they worked things out. They made a decision early on in their marriage that they would make no big decision alone. If there was a big decision that had to be made, They would actually come together, talk about it, pray about it, and then make the decision. My mom wouldn't make a decision for the family. My dad wouldn't make a big decision for the family without talking and praying and seeing what God had to say about it. That's a great example. My dad was clearly the head of the household, and he was clearly the head of my mom. There was no questions about that growing up. But my dad was not a dictator, and my mom was not a doormat. They worked together, but he was clearly in the lead he was clearly the one that had the authority no question who the head of the household was no question who the head of the marriage was I've heard it said before the man may be the head but the woman is the neck that turns the head anybody ever heard that before and that's kind of funny but my mom and dad's relationship was not like that my mom actually really honored my dad growing up I saw it firsthand she honored him As the head of our our household she would even come to me and say things like Brent your dad is a good man I don't know if he if he knows to this day that she used to do that but she'd come beside me and say you need to know your dad is a good man you need to know that your dad is a good father she would come and say positive things to me about my dad to honor him as the head of our household and that built him up in my eyes my parent, my parents will tell you We never really had a lot of arguments. Even when I was a teenager, I submitted their authority, and I think part of that is because my mom taught me all along that my dad was a good authority, he was a good dad, he was a good man. I've seen parents, and I've seen wives do, and mothers do the opposite of that. I've seen they'll come along and tear down their husband and their children's eyes. And the children grow to resent their dad because the mom has torn them down. But then eventually they circle back around and they begin to resent the mom because she did that. She, she made the dad look that way. It's a terrible way to go. It's not a good way to go at all. My mom and dad gave me a great example of true submission and true honor within a relationship. And so they're sitting over here this morning and give them a round of applause for giving me a good example growing up. So the man is the head of his wife. He is the authority in the household. I do believe the man gets the final say. And the wife needs to submit to the husband in things where he is acting in accordance to God's word. And ladies though, that's all we have for you. You're done. Now we got to get on the guys. Husband, lead like Jesus. Husband, lead like Jesus. Men, if you see your position as the head of your wife as more of a right than a responsibility you've messed up already let me say that again men if you see your position as the head of your wife and as of your children of your household as more of a right than a responsibility you've messed up already i was doing marriage couple uh, counseling for a couple and i told them on submission and and uh, they came back and she said I can't get him to do anything now, she said. He just wants to play video games all the time, and he says there's nothing that I can say about it because he's the head of everything. That is not the right attitude, y'all. That is not the way it is supposed to go. Uh, Yes, man, God has given you authority in your household. But if you're to live like Jesus, you won't use the authority for yourself. You'll use the authority to bless your wife and your children. You put yourself last. You put them first. You may want the big bass boat that's going to cost you several thousand dollars, and that may be really, man, the desire of your heart. But if your family needs the new minivan, you need to get the new minivan. You need to use your authority not for yourself but for your wife and for your children and to better the family. That's being like Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 says this. And it could be addressed to husbands, by the way. We could start out by addressing this and saying, Husband, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Husband, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, husband, but take an interest in others, particularly your family, too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus loved with sacrifice, by the way. Husband, if you're to be the father that you're supposed to be in your family, you have got to love through sacrifice sometimes. It's just going to have to happen. Therefore God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a Christian attitude. That's the attitude Christian husbands should have. In other words, husbands, yes, you have authority in your household. Use that authority not to raise yourself up And if you do that, God will cast you down, but instead use that authority to raise your wife and your family up the right way, to exalt them, to make them have a better life. Sacrifice for yourself, love and exalt them. And so really, uh, most women that are in a godly relationship will tell you they don't have a lot of problems with submission because they are submitting to a godly man who loves them and puts them first. And so they don't have a, a, a view attitude where, I'm not going to submit, it's 2018 for goodness sakes. No, they have an attitude of I'm going to submit to my husband, he's a good man and he's trying to follow Jesus and he is good for me and he's good for my kids, he's good for our family. And by the way, all of this indicates that husbands have to actually lead. Got quiet there too. Husbands have to actually lead. Husbands, get off the Xbox or the PlayStation. My wife would add the cell phone. Anyway. Get off the Xbox or the PlayStation and actually be a father, be a husband. Quit putting all the responsibility on your wife for the family. Husband, quit getting up every Sunday morning and asking your family if they want to go to church. I get up on Sunday morning and say, it's time to go to church. And when my kids are a teenager, guess what? They'll be in church. If they don't want to be in church, they can find another house to live in because as long as they're under my roof, they'll get up on Sunday morning. It won't be a question. It won't be a question. I'm not going to, as the head of our household, get up on Sunday. I know I'm the pastor. And you say, Brent, that's because you're the pastor. Even if I wasn't the pastor, I'd, I'm not going to get up on Sunday morning, lick my finger and stick it in the wind and say, which way is the wind blowing today? I don't know if I'm going to church or not. No, we're going to church. It's a rhythm we're going to build into our family. It's going to be part of our life, and it's just the way my kids are going to grow up. And if sports would get in the way of it, they're not going to do those sports. Uh Uh-oh. Not going to put anything before God and being part of his people and hearing his word. Nothing's going to come before that. My kid's going to be the next LeBron James. No, they're not. I've met them. It's not going to happen. Okay? They might be the next Billy Graham, though, and that would be a lot more important. Anyway, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail. Let me come back. Husbands, quit being afraid to talk about God in your household. Make it normal to talk about God in your household, husband. Father, talk about God. Pray. Talk about the Bible. Talk about issues. Talk to your kids. Don't make that something the mom has to do. In the Jewish household, the father was the teacher. He's the one that brought his kids up. He's the one that trained them in godliness. Husbands, step up. Man, I get passionate about this stuff. Because this is where we're failing is because men are not stepping up. They're sitting back and they're letting women do everything. And and there's a lot of women saying, I want to submit if he would just lead. I want to submit if he would just do something instead of just sitting there. Start teaching and start guiding your wife and children. Be a man and lead like Jesus. Be a man and lead like Jesus. Yes, I have seen women who are rebellious and insubordinate. And wife, if you're rebellious to your husband, if you have a good husband, not perfect, because he's not Jesus, he's not going to be perfect. But if you have a good husband, and you're rebellious against him, and you and you don't want to listen to his authority, you're in sin. Straight up, you're in sin, you need to repent, and you need to change your attitude. But I am convinced that's not the majority. I'm convinced the majority of women want a godly man in their life who will acquit himself like a man. The problem for most households is the man will not step up and the man will not lead, and that needs to start happening. That needs to start happening because as families go, so goes the church. And as the church goes, so goes the nation. And as this nation goes, so goes the world. And so, men, we need to step up. We are very important. We need to start following Jesus and living and acting like Jesus. The worship team is going to come forward, and they're going to sing a song if You listen to K-Love at all over the last few years, you've probably heard this song before. It's a little bit old, but we've never sung it here before. And we're not gonna do it as a worship song. We're gonna do it more as an altar call. And so I'm really gonna really talk to the men right now. Women, ladies, you're welcome to come up as well. If your husband wants to come up and you wanna come up with him, that's fine. But basically this song is a song asking men to lead their families. It's, It's written almost from a woman, a family's point of view. Asking the husband to lead them, to step up and be the authority in the household, to be an image of Christ here on this earth. And so we're not gonna ask you to stand and sing this. Uh, with the worship team, but I just want you to know the front area here is open. If you want to come and pray or if you want to just come and stand or if you want to make a declaration before God, man, that I'm going to be the head of my household and I'm going to be a godly man. I'm going to be a man who leads my family to come to church and leads my family to know what the Bible says and leads my family to live in the truth. If you want to make that declaration and you need to do that, you can come up here while they're singing and you can stand here and you can make that declaration. Some of you might need to just stay in the pew where you are and just pray there. God, help me to step up as a husband and a father. Ladies, if you have a submission issue, maybe maybe that's something you need to come and get right. Two rules. Wife, let him lead. Husband, lead like Jesus. Please listen to this song this morning.
1: I see my beautiful wife always smiling, but only inside oh, I can hear her saying, Lead me with strong hands. Stay. Our home, but I still feel alone. I see their faces, look in their innocent eyes. They're just children from the outside. I'm working hard. I tell myself that. Say so I can't do this alone.
0: Father, today as we pray over this man who came forward and he wants to be a better father and a better husband and a better Christian, God. And uh, Father, what a great example. Someone who is brave enough to step out and say, I'm not where I need to be, but I want to be better i want to truly lead and i want to lead in love and father he is a a proxy he's a stand-in today probably for all the fathers that are in this service and uh and in this church and god we just pray right now that you would make his household a a place that is a beautiful representation uh, of you of jesus christ and his church god and lord we pray that um, other families would follow suit maybe people didn't step out god but Today is the first day of the rest of their life, and they want to do things right. And they want to honor you in all their decisions. And God, as the pastor of this church, Lord, you know that I fall short so many times. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to be a better father and a better husband and a better Christian and a better leader, God. Lord, we need to follow you. And and truly, we ask that Jesus would lead us because we can't do this on our own. We want to follow him. As Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, God. Help us to live the kind of life that's so focused on you and follows you so closely, God. We pray that people couldn't tell where Jesus ends and we begin because we have that kind of relationship. Help us to never use our authority for ourselves, but help us to use our authority to bless our wives, our children, our church, our community. God, pour out your spirit father we love you and we praise you for being present here with us today or we pray when we leave this place we would leave changed we're not into just having cathartic moments where we come and we have an emotional time god and we go away the same we want to be changed and so father i pray that you would be with this man and god i pray that you would be with all of us who are trying to be godly men be with our families be with this church god help us to step boldly into the future and make a difference for you Father, we love you and praise you for who you are and what you've done, and especially for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Stand with me this morning, church. Remember on the way out, we have our giving boxes. Please honor God with the giving of your tithes and offerings. Our church is only as strong as its families, and a community is only as strong as its churches, and a nation is only as strong as its communities. We need godly men and godly women and godly families. Pray for each other, support each other. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. We'll see you here Wednesday night. God bless you guys.